If you have your Bibles, we're going to conclude our series on spiritual maturity today, and we're actually going to go back to the verse that we started six weeks ago in the book of Corinthians, the second book of Corinthians, the second letter that Paul wrote to this church in Corinth. He talked about growing to maturity, and today I want to end this series of talk uh, on the topic of joy of maturity, the joy of maturity. I believe that everything that God has been trying to get to us is to get us to have more joy, is to get us to enjoy life a little more. Tell your neighbor, you need to enjoy life a little more. (laughs) Tell your other neighbor, you look tight, like what's wrong with you? You need to relax a little bit. Enjoy, tell the right neighbor, we can't, okay, I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) told myself I'm not doing that anymore. Um, I might set up the wrong people, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be blamed in this blame society. It was my pastor, he made me ask you out and things didn't work out. Now I'm leaving the church because the pastor gave me an alley-oop and I fumbled it. I'm not just, I'm not not gonna go there. (laughs) You know, we're always looking for something to blame. Blame the pastor for the alley-oop. It's my fault you can't dunk. (laughs) All right, all right, moving on. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, it says this, right? Paul is, is concluding his letter to this church that has been struggling with maturity. They're, they're gifted and talented, but they're divided. They're fighting with each other. They're not, they don't seem to be getting on the same page. So these letters were Paul's way of trying to get this church on the same page and to help them grow a little bit. And so he concludes by saying this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be, what's the word? Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each. Live in. And then the God of and will be with you. You guys are great Catholics, man. I just love that. (laughs) We did that on the spot. Tells me. You guys went to catechism for sure. (laughs) That is awesome. The joy of maturity, if you're taking notes, is going to be a final talk on this series on maturity. And I told you that the letter of Paul, the second letter of Paul, was the most personal letter that Paul wrote out of, Paul wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Paul was one of the greatest agents of of, of change in that time period. Paul shifted the world uh, with, with his letters and his mission work. But this letter was specifically very personal because Paul felt that this church had taken him for granted and they were listening to other voices that had come in after he had left to go on his next mission trip. And so Paul spent some time kind of telling them like, listen, I don't know if you know who I am and what God has done through me and, and I feel weird having to give you my credentials because you've allowed other voices to get the best of you. So he gets extremely personal in this letter because he's trying to get the point across like, hey, we, we gotta grow together here. It's not about division, it's not about taking sides, it's not about who is more woke or who is more theological. We need to be under the umbrella of Jesus Christ and do this thing together. Can you say amen? And I told you that, that for me personally, this, this series of talk began to brew in me during COVID. Uh, 16, 18 months ago, uh, we were hit with this pandemic and it changed the world and it's still changing the world. It's, ch- it's changing all of us. Uh, and and uh, on top of the pandemic, we had all of the other things that happened. We had an election that was extremely divisive. We had the racist uh, uh, talk and we had uh, the struggle between the police and, 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 and civilians and, um, and, and, uh, and there was a lot of chaos, a lot of division happening and I begin to see in that process that, wait a minute, we're not maybe as rooted as we think we are. Amen. We're not maybe as solid in our faith as we think we are. We've allowed all of these winds of change to get the best of us. And I told you that there was casualties in this warfare because you may not be fighting physically, but fighting spiritually. And we know that since then, many people have lost their faith. Many people have walked away from churches. And 
I follow churches worldwide and they said about 8,000 churches in America will never open their doors again because of COVID. And so my friends, we are in an epidemic that is deeper than just a virus. We, we got a spiritual pandemic in our hands, you know, where on top of that, we isolated people and when you isolate people, God said it was not good for people to be alone. And we isolated people. We created even more of a mess by isolating people. We, we created more of a domestic violent mess. We created more of a drug abuse mess. We created more of a loneliness, suicidal, depression mess. And on top of that, we're at the fight to keep the church open because there are people who don't understand the power of a spiritual hospital where people need to come and get hope and strength. So a lot happened in those last 16, 18 months that I think we need to not drive away from our faith. We need to grow deeper into our faith and let our roots grow deeper so we can be able to say, yes, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Come hell or high water, I am rooted and grounded in the will and the purpose of God. Can you say amen? I say all that to you to, to also get personal with you here and tell you that, that when I think about joy, personally, I am not a naturally joyful person. Like, joy doesn't come naturally to me. Like, I'm not the kind of people that wake up in the morning and go, yay, <laughs> praise the Lord for this Monday. I don't know if I'm even saved on a Monday. Like, that's a theological debate that I have to have with myself every Monday, you know, especially after preaching twice and, 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 and having to, to, to sit with it for 24 hours. It's like, man, I don't even, like, I, I'm not saving until probably about four o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. <laughs> I barely operate on a Monday. So joy doesn't really come naturally to me, you know, and, and for some of y'all who wake up joyful, you're probably judging me right now. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, but, but not every one of us is naturally inclined to joy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Like, you're not naturally inclined to joy. Especially when there's all these other added pressures, right? Life itself is challenging, and then we added all of these other pressures that made joy a little bit more difficult to come around. See, part of spiritual maturity, I hope you catch this, it's a mature word, is that Part of your growth is to, is to pinpoint your own DNA. Like we're not all the same. Right? We have certain natural inclinations towards something. Obviously we know that joy is a fruit of the spirit, but the reality is this, certain fruits come easier to some than others. Some people are more naturally patient. And some people, patience <laughs> is a virtue. Some people are more naturally gentle. Some people, y'all need to work on being gentle. Some people are more naturally loving. It's like, peace and love, why can't we all get along? You're having a really hard year for all of you who are like the peace and love people because you can't do anything without someone being mad at you right now. Some people are more naturally inclined to peace, right? They just like, no matter what's going on, they're just chilling there. It's just like, we, we're good. And someone who's not naturally inclined to peace are like, what are you talking about? We're not good. We're dying. Right? So it all depends on your personality. That's why the Bible says that it's a fruit of the Spirit, meaning that, that the Spirit comes to work out these things in us that doesn't necessarily come easy to us. But it doesn't mean we can't attain it if we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. Can you say amen? amen. I tell you all this to let you know we're all in this together. The joy of maturity is to figure out where are you in your journey. The joy of maturity is to pinpoint, you know when you go to the mall and it says you are here? Hey, I don't know about you, I need that. I'm really bad with my sense of direction. If there's three floors, I need to know where am I going? And I think spiritually speaking, 
In order to have joy, you must first pinpoint where you are. Because joy and maturity go together. The more mature, which the word, when we talked about this two, six weeks ago, the word maturity means complete. The more mature you are, the more complete you are, the more joy you have. The opposite is true. The less mature, the less the joy. Joy, in a sense, is a reward of a mature believer. It's what Jesus said. The undertone theme of the last 16, 18 months, if you pay attention, is that, that, that God was taking us, I believe this, the capital C church, it was taking us through a pruning season. It was a universal pruning. Like, listen, God doesn't waste anything. In the natural, it was an epidemic, but in God's economy, it's like, I'm gonna use this moment to bring some pruning into my people's lives. But the purpose of pruning is not pruning. Did you know this? The purpose of pruning is joy. What is pruning? Pruning is to cut away excess weight that's slowing you down, that's, that's holding you back, that's making you sluggish. God's like, I need to prune things away from you so you can be leaner and so you can be able to be less in the weight of things and trust me with the rest. And sometimes God has to allow things to happen for us to realize everything that we're holding on to doesn't really make us who we are. They're all fleeting and God has to make us feel the weight of it until we can let go of it and trust him for who he is. Jesus said this in John. He said, look, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The word full is the word complete. The word complete is the word mature. Did you catch that? He wants your joy to be a mature joy. In other words, he wants your joy to be a joy that is not easily swayed by the next wind that comes your way. He wants you to have a joy that is not fleeting. That's the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is you have to always have something that has to happen for you to be happy. Joy is the fruit of the spirit that's already in you because he's saying, I want to be in you. And if God is in you, then the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. He said pruning, write this down, pruning and joy go together. If there's no pruning, there's no joy. If there's joy, it's because there's been some pruning. The outcome of pruning is joy. Same chapter, Jesus says this a little bit earlier. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit, again, what we want is fruits, right? Joy is a fruit. Notice he said fruit, not fruits, not as It's one spirit that produces all the things that we want in us by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You probably heard me tell this joke before. Like, you will never find a fruit striving to be a fruit. You don't go to an apple Picking and the apple's going, Ugh. it's like, what are you doing? I'm, I gotta be an apple today. <laughs> apples cannot make apples. All they do is abide. And in due time, they become apples. Good. See, that's one of the struggles that we have with joy. The more we try to produce joy, the, the, the more joyless. The more you try to produce patience, the worst day of your life. You ever tell yourself, today you're gonna be really patient. And the angels are like, yeah, this could be fun. Let's watch him struggle through the day because he thinks he can do this on his own. No, 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 Jesus said only him in you can produce this fruit out of you. Now again, some of us are more inclined to some fruits than others. Are you tracking so far? But what is the key here? Did you catch this? Abide. Abide is the key to more joy. Abide is the key to any fruit of the Spirit. Lack of pruning 
weighs you down. Remember that, let me help you understand what I'm trying to get to. How do you know if you need pruning? How heavy do you feel? How stressed are you? How worried are you? How anxious are you? How fearful are you? Those are the signs of pruning needed. Because we think it's about bad things happening. No, no, it's, it's what's happening on the inside of you. How are you responding to stress? Don't you know stress is added weight? Fear, unhealthy fear is added weight. Worry is added weight. Jesus said, you by worrying, you can't change nothing. But here we are staying up all night worried. When was the last time you stayed up all night worried and something changed? When was the last time you, by freaking out, something changed? These are all telltale signs of weight. Like right now, you're in church, but you're having a hard time staying here while your mind is divided. You're worried, you're frustrated, you're anxious. It's all signs that you need to abide. Abide sounds counterproductive because abide says, I want you to sit with me. But the thing is, we think by being busy bodies, we can produce more. If I can help us, one of the struggles that we have in our society in the West is that we think, the more I work, the more I'm going to produce. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about laziness. I'm talking about, do, we, do I work with God or do I work for God? Because the Bible says work hard, yes, but it comes through abiding that I produce more. We need pruning. We don't like pruning, but we need it. I don't know if you pay attention, but sometimes the Lord will force you to sit down. I told someone the other day, I don't believe God brings sickness to our bodies. I don't believe that, but I do believe this. When sickness comes, God says, okay, sit. This is your chance for me to work on you, to abide so I can produce better fruits out of you because sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, hear me clearly, sometimes sickness comes through weight. Sometimes we worry ourselves sick. Psalms 23 is one of the most quoted Psalms in the entire Bible, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Did you notice, though, here's what we missed. The next verse, it says, he makes me lie down. <laughs> Did you catch that? He didn't go, you should lie down. He's like, no, I need you to lie down. Did you know this? They say in a shepherd-sheep relationship, sometimes a shepherd will break a sheep's leg on purpose so that sheep can learn to trust the shepherd. He makes them lie down. He says, there's, a, there's some sheep that have a tendency to wander, to get away from the shepherd. So the shepherd sometimes will break those little legs, put it around his neck so the sheep can learn the smell and the scent of the shepherd so he doesn't stray away from the shepherd. Translation, I don't know why you're in the pain that you're in, but trust God that this is a moment to abide in him so you can produce better fruits. Abiding, let me, let me make it clear, because the word in Greek is powerful. There's so many different connotations here to the word abiding. is to stay in a given place. We live in a restless society. We don't know how to stay. It's sad to say this, but like people move away from something that they're supposed to abide in. I'm telling you, the last 16 months I saw it. People will leave the church over small offenses because they don't know how to abide. People will leave their homes because they don't know how to abide. How would you like to have a relationship with someone with any time something goes wrong, they, 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 they threaten to leave you? That relationship will never work because we don't know how to stay in a given place. State there is not the state of Massachusetts, it's the state of your being. Because some of y'all are like, is the Lord telling me to stay in Massachusetts? I don't know. 
But he's talking about wherever you are, he's right there. Remember, I talk about this all the time. You can leave Massachusetts and Massachusetts can still be in you. It's the state of your being. It's to continue, my goodness. We have a hard time continuing. We start things, but we don't finish them. To abide is to dwell. It's to endure. And here's one that I'm, I'm, I'm personally praying, is to be present. Can we be honest? We have a hard time being present. Like, we're here right now, but we're not really present, are we? I told someone the other day, this is what I'm working on personally. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to teach me how to be in the moment. If I'm with my kids, I want to be with them. If I'm at work, I want to be at work, not on, not on something that's distracting me from work. Like, be present, it's, it's to abide, to remain, to stand. Sometimes you got to stand. One of the things that I think we didn't do during 16, 18 months, some people didn't stand. The Bible says, after being done all, you gotta stand. Stand in your convictions. Stand in your truth. And not be moved. We had to stand for the church to stay open. Even though we were criticized and and, and people threw all kinds of shade, but it's like, at the end of the day, you gotta stand. I love this word, to abide is to tarry. You know what tarry is? I'm not in a rush. One of the greatest enemies of our soul is rush. We're always going from one thing to the next. Some of y'all right now, your mind is telling you what's next. You better tell your mind, we're gonna tarry. Because whatever's next will be the byproduct of what I'm doing with what's now. That's why I love the altar time. It's a time to tarry. It's a time to sit. It's time to relax. It's time to be. Like I told God, this is, I don't know if you, how do you approach church, but to me, this is an appointment between me and God. It's relational. Abiding is relational. It's about staying with a person. And Jesus is saying, staying with me. I want you to stay with me. I want you to abide in me. Please catch this. He didn't say, Abide in a church, said abide in me. What's the difference? You can go to a church building, doesn't mean you abided in Jesus. It's a difference. To abide, we're restless. We're restless, our soul is toxic. Friends, I hate to say this, but the pace that we have in our society right now is not conducive to have a healthy soul. And what we do is, we add on to voices as opposed to Throw away voices. That's our struggle. We have too many voices running through our minds over and over again. But I want you to know there's a direct correlation between your lack of joy and your lack of abiding. If we're not abiding, we're not going to produce the right fruits. Sitting with Jesus and allowing his spirit to center my soul It's one of the greatest disciplines that you will ever do in life. It's hard to sing blessed assurance if you haven't abided. It could just be a song. But when you're abiding, blessed assurance becomes a mantle of your soul. It's where I find, please catch this, it's where I find my identity and my purpose. It's in abiding. This is where Jesus strips away all the lies, all the deceits. Let me give you another mature word here. You know, all of us have an imposter that lives within us. That imposter likes to project who we want people to think we are versus who we actually are. Jesus comes to deal with that imposter in us. You know that imposter that puts on a front like everything's okay? The imposter that talks a good game, but you don't feel like good. The imposter that tells everybody what to do, but we ourselves are not doing it. The imposter that just says, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, but you're like, your soul is like, you're hurting. That's, we all have the imposter syndrome. We project more. That's why I want to ask, to tell you right off the bat, I struggle with joy, because I want you to know I'm in this with you. 
I want, I want to abide more so I can produce better fruit. See, Jesus is supposed to be our role model. If you're gonna be a mature human being, as a believer, you have to study Jesus' life. That cannot be a passing thing, like a Sunday thing that you do. You have to really own in and say, how did he do it? Because he's the role model for how we're meant to do it. We've been reading through the New Testament. I hope you've been reading through the New Testament because that's part of learning to center your soul in the word of God. In the book of Hebrews, we read this, and I'm going to read from the message translation about Jesus, his model. He says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, Hebrews 11, all the whole of faith. It means we better get on with it, strip down, that's pruning. Start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, that's pruning. No parasitic sins, no hidden imposter syndrome. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. You know the word disciple means student. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. You gotta study the life of Jesus. A believer should be in the Gospels often to say, let me go back and see how Jesus did it. And if you, if you study Jesus' life, you, you can see a pattern, a rhythm. Jesus didn't do things hectically or, or just by osmosis. Jesus had an intentional rhythm about his life. I've always said this, if the CEO of heaven had a rhythm, how much more do I need one? Like he should have been busy 24-7. He's, he's God, but he comes to life here for 33 years and he's got this pattern. First of all, 30 years in obscurity, no one knew him. Now, we want to be known at five years old. We want to have Instagram accounts. <laughs> 15, we're already writing books about success. <laughs> and in a 30, we burned out as opposed to studying a life of 30. I'm appreciating this more and more the older I'm getting, the timing for things. You know, I think one of the things that's hurting our souls right now, especially our younger people, is man, you're, you're going too fast. You're going way too fast. Jesus had a rhythm of life. Jesus withdrew often to abide in the Father. He, the Son of God learned to abide. Even for him to come up on the scene at 30 years, he had to ask the father, is it time? His mother jacked up his time. He was chilling at this wedding and his mom was like, hey, they need help, they need more Kool-Aid. <laughs> Some of y'all, yeah, Kool-Aid, that's, that's the sanitized version. Give you any ideas. But he says, woman, my time is not up yet. Jesus' first miracle was just a favor. <laughs> he didn't want to do it. And you're like, he's son of God. He goes, like, yeah, but he's human too. He's like, yo, I'm good, woman. I'm <laughs> trying to do anything right now. <laughs> and she's like, whatever he tells you to do, just go ahead and do it. It's going to be good. And they had Kool-Aid for days. <laughs> Well, my friends, how do you endure a pandemic, a horrible political divide, racism, division in the church, if you don't know how to abide? We're restless because we don't know how to abide. We're angry, we're frustrated. Like, this is probably the most angriest generation ever. 
I don't even know why we're angry. I think we're just angry. I was thinking about 9-11. I'm like, man, the outcome of 9-11 was such unity. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I was like, man, if God forbid, if we, if we were to hit, be hit with something like that again, would we reunite again or we would be even more divisive? Because if a, God forbid, a terrorist attack happens now, we will, we will turn it into a politic thing. We will turn it into politics and we'll turn it into another thing to fight each other. And God's people, we're supposed to, to live on a different frequency than the world does. But I'm, fr- I'm afraid to say this, during the 16, 18 months, what I saw is we bought into the world's narrative yep. and we added to the fire as opposed to being peacemakers. Yep. Listen, we need a rhythm for our souls. This, this pace is too hectic. It's harmful. It's not... We're not supposed to have sovereignty in our hands. Like we're not supposed to know everything that's going on in the world all the time in this little tiny brain. I think the world has always been jacked up. I'll talk about that next week. Next two weeks I'm going to talk about signs of the times. I want to give us a little bit of perspective of what's happening. But I really believe this, that the world has always been jacked up. The problem is you have to wait months to find out what's happening in Ethiopia. But now you can find out what's happening in Ethiopia, Kenya, Haiti, you know, Afghanistan, all at once in this little tiny brain who's having a hard time just being a father. So this is why I decided to leave social media. So I'm like, it's too much. It's not healthy for my soul. See, the problem for us is we're always waiting until something is broken to fix it. I pray that in our maturity, we learn to be proactive, not reactive. It's learning to be proactive that you have a healthy soul versus being always reactive. We're always reacting. But we're not supposed to have sovereignty in our hands. We're supposed to have the sovereignty of God leading us. It won't happen if we don't create a pace. We need a pace of solitude, a pace of prayer, a place of abiding, and a place of community. This is what Jesus did. That's the model. That's what he created. Jesus would go out and preach and heal and restore, and then he would withdraw. You would see it often. Jesus would just go by himself to just abide. And he would tell his disciples the same thing. Hey, come. Get away from the crowd. We're starting cruise this week because we need each other. We need community. Everything we do, we're trying to be intentional about trying to reflect this. So don't let your struggle keep you from a community. It's not good for you to be alone. This is supposed to bring us together, but we're the most loneliest generation ever. People have 2,000 Instagram friends, but they don't have one friend they can call and say, pray for me. And I love technology. Napoleon Dynamite, not as much as I love you. Okay, see, every time I mention good movies, you guys don't follow me, so I'll leave it alone. I do, I, it's a great way to get the word out. We got people tuning in from all over the world right now because of technology. But we have to take control of it and not let it control us. We, we, we have to have a pattern and a, and a purpose to say, hey, this is, this is how technology is gonna fit into this pace, not the other way around. Like, it's unacceptable for our souls to wake up in the morning to junk. You can't have a productive day if the first thing you do is go on social media. Just can't. You're going to be frantic. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be worried. You're going to be fearful. You're adding on to your soul. Your soul needs to be pruned from those things. Please write this down. Joy and adversity go together. See, if you're waiting for the planets to line up to be joyful, you're going to be waiting for a long, long time. No, joy happens in adversity. Matter of fact, it is the tool that God uses to produce joy. How do you get, (laughs) how do you get great Kool-Aid? You don't. You don't caress the grape, you, you crush the grape. 
See, in the church, this is a mature word. We love to pray, God, anoint me, anoint me. But you know the process of anointing means you have to be crushed for the oil to come out of you. <laughs> so be careful what you're praying for. You're actually praying for God to prune you. You're actually praying for God to, 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 to squeeze you. You're actually praying for God to, to, to mold you. And so be careful what you're really praying for. This is why, again, if you're reading through the New Testament with us, the brother of Jesus, James, says this about joy and maturity. Watch this. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. God, anoint me. All right. Cue the trial. God, I want to be more powerful. Use me. Okay. Cue it. So be careful what you pray for. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish his work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when you're praying, remember, you asked for it. I got to remember, this is why I struggle with joy, because I got to remember what I prayed for. God, I want to I wanna be able to be part of a movement that reaches a lot of people, and God's like, cue it. More people, more problems, more criticisms, more Monday morning quarterbacks, cue it all. That's not what I meant. I meant give me the results without the process. My friends, if we want joy, we can't escape trials. Again, another mature word here. What we're doing right now is God will cue something that he knows. Listen, this is, this is a pressing. This is going to squeeze things out of you. And what are we doing? We're running away. And you're like, I don't run away. I beg to differ. What we're doing is we're running away by numbing the pain through entertainment and drugs, and, and, now, and now we have medicine that can numb pain. And don't get me wrong, there's place for medicine with pain, but all of a sudden now we're just leaning into outward things as opposed to leaning into the Spirit of God. They can actually heal because there are some pains that weed is not going to cure. Just to be open, let me just put it out there, just in case you're wondering. If you've been around me, you know that I always never say to people, don't do something. My question is always, why do you need it? Because I believe that behind every action, there's a why. It's not don't drink, it's why do, you need a need, why do you feel the need to drink? What's lacking? What's lacking that you have to need a substance to bring you to life? But that substance requires more substance. What's lacking that you have to rely on outward things to bring you joy? Are you with me? Don't numb the pain, lean into it. Lean into it. Say, God, I'm leaning in. And you're going to meet me there. Lean into it. We're creating a shallow society because we create all kinds of ways for people to escape as opposed to embrace. Notice how you feel after you binge watch something. You don't feel that great. Again, am I telling you not to binge watch? I'm asking you why. What is it that you're trying to escape through that? There's times for entertainment. There's, there's a season, a place for everything. But when entertainment becomes the go-to, you're no longer abiding. You're no longer tarrying. You're no longer allowing it to produce the anointing. To get two drops of oil, man, you got to crush the oil of, to nothing. And then you might get two drops. So next time you pray, God, anoint me, Get that picture in your head. Amen. 
Joy is not the absence of conflict. Joy is the byproduct of abiding in the midst of conflict. Please get that. The way things are going, I don't think we're, we're gonna be in a conflict-less society. I think we're gonna have a more conflict. I hate to say that. So it's the people who can arise above it that are gonna do well and help others, pull others out of this craziness. I'll get into it the next two weeks. The enemy's so good at creating us versus them mindset. But I'm here to tell you, that's not the gospel. The moment you have a us versus them mindset, how are you gonna supposed to reach people that you don't even like? That's what the enemy wants. But your personality, I wanna end with this. Your personality plays a role in your maturity and in your joy. This is a tough one to teach because in church we, we neglect to talk about this. But your, your spiritual maturity goes hand in hand with your emotional intelligence. We don't talk about this in the church. That emotional IQ is also spiritual. Because God said to love him with all what? Your heart and mind. Your mind needs to be mature and intelligent in how to deal with situations and circumstances that arises. If I could, this again, 16, 18 months of reflecting over COVID, if I could, I would help us understand more about emotional intelligence than just having Bible knowledge. Here's why, and I have proof for this. There's a lot of people with a lot of Bible knowledge, but because their emotional IQ is low, they'll jack up the Bible knowledge that they have and they'll turn toxic as opposed to being peacemakers and edifying and blessing others. If you don't believe me, go on YouTube. We got tons of YouTube preachers who just spew a lot of craziness, but they have no emotional intelligence to say, am I building or am I tearing down? Got a lot of people who can quote the Bible back and forth, but don't have any emotional IQ to say, how is this affecting my brother or my sister? But we're struggling with emotional intelligence. If you're wondering what emotional intelligence, this is what emotional intelligence means. Like it's self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. If you can own in and say, Lord, teach me how to be more emotional intelligence, man, your, your marriage will be amazing. Your parenting will be amazing. Your job will be amazing. If you're, if, you're, if you're owner of a business, man, your business could go to another level if you understand that my maturity and my emotional intelligence go hand in hand. There are people who lack self-awareness, my friends, so much that they don't identify their own emotions. They're always projecting. Self-awareness is knowing where is this emotion coming from? Where is this habit coming from? People will do the same thing over and over again, but never ask the question, why? Yeah. They just keep doing it, it's just the way I am. Wait, that's not the gospel. The gospel says be born again. Like, don't just keep doing what you're doing. I don't have time, but listen, self-management is learning how to manage negative and positive emotions. How many people are sitting with their emotions to say, we need to work through this thing, not just go on Facebook and while out. People throwing Bible verses around, but with no self-management and social awareness. Here's my biggest concern about the last 16, 18 months, right? The division that I saw on YouTube. My question is, is anybody paying attention to how is this affecting the person who's on the outside trying to come in? Does anybody care about there's a world going to hell, we're over here fighting with each other and they're going, do I, can, can I get in there? Is it, is it cool for me to get in there? Because we don't have any social awareness to say, how is this affecting other human beings? Before, listen, I gave up social media about four months ago, but before I post, I always ask the question, is this edifying? Is this gonna bless my wife, my children, my pastor, my church? And there are times that I would post and delete. 
Because you got to be socially aware. Here's my favorite one about people with no awareness. I'm just telling you the truth. Hey, is that how you want someone to tell you the truth? So I'm not sure Jesus went around and go, I'm just telling you the truth. And the truth will set you free. You know, I, I think we bought into this narrative, if I just have a Bible verse, then I'm good. No, like, how about relationship management? Because God said love people, not bash people. You would think God said, hey, I want you to bash as many people you can. Tell them the truth. <laughs> no, do you have fruitful interactions with others, even when there's conflict. I think the future belongs to peacemakers who can have fruitful conversations, agree to disagree, but still honor the other person on the other side and not vilify people. But I gotta wrap up. He said grow to maturity, right? Look, go ahead, my last slide. He said be joyful. They play off each other, you know that, right? Grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Want to be a mature believer? That's the game plan. Grow to maturity. They go together. Jack me up, because I'm like, why do you have to put joyful next to maturity, God? Because you know I struggle with it. <laughs> God's like, exactly. Be joyful, grow to maturity. Only possible if each one of us Take ownership of abiding, learning to tarry, learning to remain, learning to trust, creating a rhythm, a pace of life that's sustainable. We can't just do this Sunday to Sunday, my friends. That's not going to work. You can't go Monday through Saturday freaking out, angry, frustrated, jealous, bitter, Fox News, CNN, <laughs> Joe Rogan. <laughs> You know, and then come to church, blessed assurance. <laughs> Who sat in my seat? You don't have a seat. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. You can't handle the truth. That's not even the Bible. That's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Only possible by abiding. I, I want to pray a prayer of abiding with you today. This is a, this is a, I don't know if they'll, I'll mess up the camera guys. <laughs> but I want to pray a prayer of abiding with you. It's a discipline. And I want you to go with me on this, okay? Trust me on this. I want, I want you to take your hand and, and put your palms down. And I want you to close your eyes. Why, why are you closing your eyes? So you can center yourself. Why, why the palms down? Because you're going to release some things. I want to ask you a question. I want you to answer it through a prayer. What's, what's weighing you down today? What's worrying you? What's frustrating you? Some of you, you're always angry. Do you know Why? I want you to take a moment and pray. Be as specifically as possible. Just say, Lord, I'm here to release. Fill in the blanks what's weighing you down. Jesus. Just release it by name. Maybe it's a person. Release that person to Jesus. Release it. Forever release it. Online friends, release it. All to Jesus. I surrender. All to Jesus I freely give. 
He already knows. He's just waiting on you to release. Lord, we come to release. Help us release. Some of us, we need help releasing. We're holding on to things we shouldn't hold on to. Lord, please take from me the things that I'm holding on to. I'm having a hard time releasing. I release it. I want you to flip over your, your hand like you're receiving. Flip over your palms. And invite the Holy Spirit to now replace all what you released. Replace it with his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness, his faithfulness, and his self-control. Lord, I don't want to leave this place the same way I came in. I don't want to leave this place the same way I came in. I release my business to you, Lord. I release my family to you, Lord. I release and I receive all that you have. By faith, I receive your peace. I receive your healing. I receive your joy. I receive it. I receive it. We're going to sing this song, and I invite you to come and just tarry for a little bit. If you don't want to come, just stay in your seat. But don't be in a rush to leave the house. Pages don't play till four. And we got time to tarry. Father, we lift up Mac Jones to you. We pray for Brady 2.0. And all the Patriots fans said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.